entire passage to see what's happening here. But I'll try to add some things after we read those 11 verses to kind of give you um, an understanding of the remainder of the what's said in the chapter anyway. Acts chapter 27, beginning in verse number 1, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners under one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus's band. And entering into a ship of Adridium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia, and there the centurion found a ship of Alex- Alexandria, that, that should have been the easier one to read, and the rest of them shouldn't have, sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. And when we sailed, we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Snidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmon, and hardly passing it, came into a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia, or Lycia. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them, and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master of, and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And um, probably won't get any further than we're kind of picking up and where we left off in verse number four. May not get this far, but we'll try to this morning. But as you um, read the remainder of the chapter, you can see that there was a, a north uh, eastern wind that blew. Um, they called it uh, Eurocladon in verse number 14. It was a tempestuous wind, it is said, and wouldn't let the, the ship go any further. It was caught. Um, as you go further into the chapter, they actually um, go, I think it's 11 days, without being able to see uh, the sun, and um, they eventually are shipwrecked and find themselves on the island of um, Melita. And if you have read through this before, you remember on that island where Paul gathered up some sticks put into the fire and that serpent came out, a venomous snake, and latched upon his hand. But um, certainly what Paul says here in regards to perceiving that the voyage would be with hurt and much damage, not only to the lading of the ship, but also of their lives, uh, did come to pass, though... It doesn't seem that Paul is speaking here in verse number 10 um, from any divine revelation that he had. He's just speaking from um, understanding that the, the time for sailing was, was past. This, this great wind, um, this Eurocladon in verse number 14, um, you know, we think it was a hurricane. And the hurricane season was upon them, and the chance for that to happen certainly was uh, was uh, great. So let's, uh, before we get into the message, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll be seated, or you'll be seated. 
Um, Brother Mike, would you pray for me, pray for us? Amen. You may be seated. Did you hear that, Andrew? Brother Mike was praying. Did you hear what he, what he thanked God for? For his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We were had a conversation at the dinner table last night. Uh, maybe it was at lunch. It was at lunch, wasn't it? In regards to what we should be thankful for. And my question to Rebecca and Andrew was, what is the greatest thing we should be thankful for? Brother Mike said it. There it was. For the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, here we are back in the ship with Paul, uh, continuing on the voyage and sailing along with him through troubled waters. We refresh our minds uh, this morning to some things that we've already spoken of. This passage, I think, really overriding most every detail in the account that we find here is the providence of God. The providence of God in our lives, the providence of God, the power of God um, over all of these circumstances, situations that happened in Paul's life. Um, I'm thinking of a passage Paul told those he was writing unto that, that the things that had happened unto him, you know, what were those things? I'm going to read a passage later that most of us are familiar with in regards to um, things that had happened to Paul, perils that he'd fallen into. He said unto those he was writing unto that the things that had happened unto him actually had turned out to the furtherance of the gospel. Sorry, that's probably my phone feeding back through the uh, microphone there. I'll take that off. Um, to the furtherance of the gospel. Do we see the things that happen in our lives that way? Now, we said there's a mixed company on this boat with us. There are some who are believers, there are some who are not believers. Now, for those that aren't believers, uh, they're not concerned to begin with that things are turning out to the furtherance of the gospel and wouldn't know it if the Lord used them unless the Lord opened their eyes to see it, that their lives or the things that were happening in their lives, God was doing for the furtherance of the gospel. I mean, you think about here we have a king in Acts 26 and we have um, the governor and they both don't know what to do with Paul. They, 
They don't want to turn him loose. They know he'll be killed if they do. Uh, they don't want to turn him over to the Jews. They know what the Jews' design and plot against Paul was. Um, but they also, at the same time, wanted to do something to satisfy the Jews. And so they delivered Paul when they could have set him free. They sent him unto um, Caesar. Sent him unto Augustus. And that, in and of itself, from two men that, as far as we can tell, and even the governor before um, Felix, before Festus, he trembled, but we don't know that he was, he trembled at, at the things that Paul spoke, but we don't know that he was converted. Um, we don't know that Agrippa was, though he said that almost, Paul, thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Um, Festus, we have probably the least amount of hope for. Um, St. Paul, much learning has made you mad. These men, as far as we can tell, not believers. And yet God used them to send Paul on a journey, by boat even, to Italy, to Rome, where he wanted Paul to be, to be a witness. He had told Paul, you must go to Rome. So, people that are unconverted, people that aren't believers being used, though they're unaware of it, though they don't care about it, um, but we certainly, we certainly can see, we certainly understand amongst this mixed company of people, we see and understand the hand of God and the providence of God in our lives as God's using us. Can we not see that the things that have happened unto us have actually turned out to the furtherance of the gospel? As we've prayed and we've sought and we've wanted God to use us and, and uh, for us to, to be the light that we ought to be and be a testimony unto people around us, the gospel has furthered. There have been people that we've affected, people that we've had an impact upon, as doubtless Paul must have had upon the men in that first ship they were in and also in the second where we know there were at least 276 souls on board. So, it does teach us about the providence of God. We see who's really in control. And as easily as we mentioned the text last Lord's Day where our, our Lord was asleep in the ship and the disciples were there, the boat was filling up with water until it was about to sink and they said, Lord, care not do you not care that we perish? And the Lord stood up and said, Peace, be still. The waves and the wind calmed. And just as easily as He calmed the waves and he, he calmed the wind, He can cause the wind to come up and the waves to come up. So we understand that, that He can stir them up for His own ends. He can calm them for His own ends when it pleases Him to do so. He does that. So we can see that. We see the providence of God as His people. Uh, we talked about having companions on board this ship. I mean, here we are this morning, all of us uh, that know the Lord and that we, we assemble here on a regular basis and we pray for one another and we, we seek to uplift one another and we spoke about that, how that we ought to enter into one another's joys and enter into one another's trials. Um, just like we see that that Aristarchus and Luke both had done here. We looked at the ship, and the ship being the world. And here we are on this ship. And it's it's like the world. This is what we're 
we're traveling through this world or through this journey up upon this ship of the world as it were and the ship's not going to make it the ship's not going to make it to the end we're going to reach our desired destination you know what what is your desired destination this morning you might ask yourself is it heaven is that the shore that you're wanting to reach i know that's my hope i know that's many of your hopes is that you will reach that shore as well not just for the sake of not going to hell not just for the sake of being in paradise but that we might see our savior I mean, we we believed upon Him in this world. We've never seen Him. And we love Him because He's given us faith. The God has shed abroad His love in our hearts. And He's given us eyes to see and ears to hear. He's opened our hearts that we might believe and understand the things that He's written unto us. But that one day our eyes would behold Him. And that we, like that woman that J.D. was setting before us this morning, that we might have the opportunity to wash His feet with our tears because we know that we've been forgiven much. How much have you been forgiven? How much have you seen your need of forgiveness? Do I sit in the pew and think, yeah, I know some people here in the congregation, boy, they've been forgiven a lot. Wrong viewpoint. Wrong focus. I need to be looking at myself and saying, Lord, how much? How much you have forgiven me. How great my sins were in your sight. How I could have continued on this boat and not thought twice about you. And thought how I need to save the ship. I need to save the world. This ship that I'm on. This journey that I'm on in my life. How I need to salvage everything that I can. Enjoy everything upon this ship that I can. No. It's my soul. That's important. We talked about that. It's the soul. It's not the ship. It's not the cargo. It's our souls that's important. That is the precious cargo on board this ship that you need to be concerned about. And so, in a sense, I presented it to us last week that you can only save yourself. And that is so. You can only believe for for yourself to the salvation of your soul. Now, I'm not saying that we can't believe for others in a sense, because we can I believe for my children. And I set forth Christ before them. That's not going to save them. They're going to have to believe themselves this. I'm so encouraged. I know I embarrass my kids a lot. It's not a big congregation. So there's not so many people that are going to be embarrassed before. But I walked into Rebecca's room. And I saw a drawer open. And on top of everything else in the drawer. There was a pamphlet from back there on that table. I hadn't given it to her. But it was from uh, it was one that John MacArthur had written. Some of you some, some of you others that may have picked it up too. It said, examine yourself. We all need to do that. Examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. If I'm looking at somebody else saying, boy, Lord, you forgave them a whole bunch. Well, I need to examine myself. How much has the Lord forgiven me? How much have I been forgiven? Have I been forgiven? Do I have faith? We... I apologize Wednesday night for those of you that weren't able to hear by phone. I think we had some technical difficulties and we uh, weren't able to... J.D., were you and Emily able to hear? I didn't, I didn't think so. 
Oh, you didn't call in. Well, if you had, I think that you probably wouldn't have been able to. Aunt Martha, did you try to call? No? Anybody Anybody try to call that weren't, wasn't able to listen? Well, I guess it was a good Wednesday night for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you called the cell phone and got in. We had some trouble Wednesday night. Um, and we talked about this. How do we know? How do I know that, that I have pursued God's righteousness and that I have obtained it? How do I know? The Bible tells me to examine myself. What am I looking for? What am I trying to find? What, what, what is there that can be in me whereby I would know is, is it just amounted to coming to church, reading my Bible, praying? Uh, not in those things. People can do those things and not be saved. The Pharisee that J.D. said before is I can imagine you know, this man, of course, he might have been a little different, kind of a, had some different thoughts, you know, but to actually ask the Lord to come into his house. Um, you know, most of them despised the Lord, but here this man, for that, for that lady to even be able to enter in without being cast out, um, maybe this man was seeking, I don't know, but but uh, the Pharisees, they, they made long pretense of prayer, and they sought to keep, like J.D. told us this morning, the outward form of obedience to the law, but it was their heart that was the problem, and there was all these wicked imaginations and all these all these sins that were going on within them. They didn't commit the sin on the outside, but they were committing it in their mind and in their hearts, and they were enjoying it and thinking because they didn't actually go out and physically do it, that they weren't guilty of it. And they kept themselves from committing the sin, and they had obeyed the law. And yet they were lusting and looking upon a woman, like the Lord said, you, you, you commit adultery already in your heart. So what's your heart like? Has it been changed? How can I know? That's the question I was asking. How can I know? Has your heart been changed? Do you have a new heart? Has there been a transformation in your life whereby you know I am not the same person that I was before? Has that ever happened to you? Now that's, this, is, this is what we're examining ourselves looking for. Has there been a change within me? Or am I the same? Do I still enjoy sin? Or do I despise it? And do I want to be rid of it? And do I want to please God in all that I do? Has there been a manifestation of this sort of a life within you? We need to examine ourselves. It's important that we do. That we know. Am I? Do I belong unto Him? Do we see and savor the Lord Jesus Christ as precious, whereby we can pray and it come from our hearts and say, Lord, I am so thankful and grateful. Oh God, that you gave your Son, because there's no other way that I would have been saved outside of Him. I couldn't have saved myself. I couldn't have done enough good deeds to merit any salvation in your sight. It's only by the blood of your Son sacrifice of his life and his blood that he shed whereby that I have been will be saved so we talked about the ship being the world we talked about the storms of this life the troubled sea being the things that we encounter things that we face sometimes there is um, trying to remember what I read I had it later on in my notes that um, 
Matthew Henry had said about the, uh, here it is, he speaks of cross providences. We talked about this overriding thing over and above everything else it seems in this chapter is the providence of God. And he talks about cross providences and favorable providences. You know, sometimes there are contrary winds that blow. Sometimes there are favorable winds that blow. Sometimes we seek with all of our might, like these men were doing, to reach this place. We're going to do things this way. I was talking to Dan this morning. He was asking me how things were going. With the, We've been striving for a long time now to try to get to where we could run through this microphone into the telephone, the audio. And uh, I was trying to do it a certain way, and somebody else told me, why don't you do it this way? Well, I kept wanting to do it this other way. And there still is a reason why I want it done that way, because we have one person that listens that doesn't listen through the conference line um, that we have to call, and this not, doesn't work that way um, with this, this system that we're using this morning. But, but um, finally I gave in and said, well, you know, the contrary winds are blowing against me doing this other way. This must be the way that this works. This must be the way that we're supposed to do it. And we got it worked out last uh, Sunday after services. So, you know, there are, the point is there are contrary winds that blow. We seek to do things a certain way, and we can't seem to get them done. And it may very well be because God is saying, no, this isn't the direction that I want you to go. But try and try and try and try and try. Uh, Brother Mike told me he'd been looking for a job on uh, the state's website where I work. And how neat that would have been if we had been in the same building and working together. That would have been wonderful as far as maybe perhaps we're concerned. But the Lord hasn't allowed that to happen. He even moved me to a different town where there's just one worker in that office. Um, did you get your car back? No. You on foot? Oh, okay. I'll be going to work Monday morning. If you ever need a ride, just give me a call. Um, but, um, you know, we try to do things a certain way. We can't seem to get them done. And then there's other times that we see this thing and we think we see it clearly and we are heading that direction and it just seems like everything is blowing favorably the wind is just filling the sail and well, we're just heading right in that direction that we think we need to be going and, and uh, we arrive there and it doesn't seem to be that much difficulty um, along the way so there are as Matthew Henry says cross providences and then there are favorable providences as we think about this thought of providences in this chapter but again, let me just reiterate, like I said already once, the ship, which is the world, is not going to be saved. This, this thing is going to be burned up. It was destroyed once by water, but this next time it's going to be by fire. It's not going to be saved. We can't save it. No matter how many cables, like in the narrative, if you read further on from where we stopped in verse number 11, you'll see they took cables. How in the world they did that? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a sailor. Um, you know, I... Some of these nautical terms I'm not even familiar with, but somehow they took cables. I mean, how do you, in a storm, send a cable under the ship and bring it up the other side to undergird you know, the ship and keep the boards together? I, I don't know. I guess there's a way. I'm sure those guys knew they did it. But um, the ship's not going to be saved, and the cargo's not going to be either. The things in the world, the things that are of the world, those things aren't going to be saved either. And they're not the things to be focused upon, but it's our souls. 
that is the thing that we need to be focused upon. Examine yourself. See whether you be in the thing. Can you see yourself this morning? Now, some of you weren't here for J.D.'s devotion, but have you been forgiven much? That woman wept at the feet of our Lord, washed his feet with her tears, and dried his feet with the hair of her head. Imagine that Pharisee doing that. I can't really see him doing that. And the Lord said, you didn't do it. I entered into your house and you did not. Forgiven much, can you see that you have been? That's a good sign if you can. Good sign. As you examine yourself, you see that you've been forgiven much. We read this verse last Lord's Day, which I thought was good commentary upon um, Scripture always is the best commentary upon itself. First uh, Peter 4.19, which said, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. And here we are. We're seeking that God's will be done in our lives. And as a result of that, oftentimes we suffer. We suffer for the sake and the cause of Christ. And as we are upon this boat and we are on this voyage and we are journeying through this life, the thing that we read about there in 1 Peter 4.19, we need to do. What was that? Commit the keeping of your soul. The keeping of your soul to Him in well-doing. Do I regard all of these things that are happening unto me, even the cross providences of God, do I regard those things in this way? Well-doing. God doeth all things well. This, do, I, do I say this is good? Now, if I'm suffering because of something that I did, you know, in that passage it says, let none of you suffer as a murderer and as a thief. And then it goes on to something that probably hits all of us as a busybody in other men's matters. You know, a gossiper. Let none of you suffer. Have you ever suffered for telling something that somebody else told you? I can remember in high school suffering for things that I was told. Somebody said, hey, don't tell anybody about this. There's something that compels you when somebody says, don't tell someone about this. You feel like, I've got to go and tell somebody about this. I can't keep this to myself. This is just too good. I've got to share this with everybody else. We have to learn to keep it to ourselves. There's one person that we can tell it to. We can take it unto him who is the keeper of our souls and well-doing. Say, Lord, this is not good. Or maybe it's something that is good. But somebody doesn't want everybody to know quite yet. We can go, we can go to the Lord with it. We can take it to him. In well-doing as unto a faithful Creator, how faithful God is. How faithful God has been unto you. How faithful God has been unto me. Continually, in all things, ever faithful. And always trust Him. He never disappoints. He never fails. He always keeps us in the hollow of His hand. We said last week, we're, we're always the apple of His eye. I mean, it may look like as, as, we, as we sing you know, that, that hymn, I won't take time to look it up, um, I'm already running out of time, and I'm just seemed like I spent most of the time reviewing what we talked about last week. But uh, God moves in a mysterious way. 
His wonders to perform. And it talks about behind a frowning providence. We've already talked about cross providences and favorable providences. And there in that hymn is a frowning providence. Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. God knows everything that He's doing. And we ought to know. We ought to be convinced. Romans 8, 28. Didn't you read that passage this morning? Did you? Oh, you read something out of Romans. I was thinking of it maybe when you said Romans. Um, but all things working together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. We ought to know. He knows. As that hymn writer was trying to set before us behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. Everything that He does for our good. A faithful Creator. Well, from the outset, it seems they'd had difficulty on this voyage. And um, the Bible says that man is few days. I mean, you aren't here long. Man is few days and full of trouble. Full of trouble. Our lives are full of it. Full of trouble. And it didn't take long before they encountered trouble upon their journey as they're now approaching Fair Haven's. I think I mentioned this last week. I don't know if I did. I mentioned it again just in case. Since we know that nothing will be missed that we need. And that it is the devil who would make us anxious thinking that we're going to miss out if we do not act quickly. Then it is best for us if we would determine beforehand. And know beforehand. That what God would have us to have what God would have us to do, He's already prepared and provided for. It's already set forth in His providence. It's going to come to pass. I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm going to get a certain thing. If God's intended that I should have it, whether it is that I'm waiting for it to know, Lord, is this where you'd have me to go? Is this what you'd have me to do? Let me use for an example again. This new place that I'm about to go and work. I've prayed about this. I've sought the Lord to shut the door, Him being the one who can shut doors that no man can open and open doors that no man can shut. That if this is where He'd have me to be, that He would open that door and that I would be there. There was a point where I, I think I had told some of you, I, I don't think they're going to move me over there. Uh, the person that's there now that's decided that they don't want to move, they're going to stay. And then the wind shifted directions. And they, when I had determined that I wasn't going there, well, it just doesn't look like that's where you want me to be, Lord. I'm going to plant myself right here and continue where I am and seek to serve you and glorify you here. And then I got an email that very day that I had made that determination that this is where I was supposed to be. I got an email. You're going over there. Okay, Lord. Now, what would happen if I had not prayed about that and I had not sought the Lord in that manner and understood that if this happens, at least in my own mind, this is where the Lord wants me. Because when I get there Monday and something terrible takes place, if I prayed about it, I don't have to say, well, I made the wrong choice here. I made the wrong decision. I know I've told you that before. I know you, most of you know that, but how important it is for us to walk 
in the full realization of that every single day in the things that we do. That we not be anxious, that we not be troubled, knowing that it's God's providence, whether it be cross, or whether it be favorable, or whether it be frowning, whatever it is, it's God's providence. It's a good place for us to be. I've already said I don't know much about sailing, but I read this, that a reason, verse number 4 says they sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. I read the reason for taking this tack, another nautical term, um, this direction, this course, sailing under Cyprus, may have been a desire to take advantage of a current which flows westward along the southern shore of Asia Minor as far as, I don't know if I can pronounce the name, Archipelago, I think is how you say that, and greatly favors the progress of western or westward-bound vessels. You know what? Reading that made me think, again, overriding theme, providence of God. Cross, favorable, whatever. The providence of God. You've seen, haven't you, maps where these currents run through the ocean? They're running this way, they're running that way. Who put those currents there? God did, right? He did, didn't He? Didn't He put those currents there? He made those currents run the way that they run? These men were taking advantage of a current that God had placed there to send them in the direction that they were going. Again, the providential hand of God. Just remarkable. If we have eyes to see, if we'd ask for eyes to see, in our lives, we could see some of these things providential hand of God in bringing Brother Mike and Sister Doreen here. It's, it's still amazing to me to think that, that y'all are going to be here full time. It's wonderful. What might the Lord do with y'all here? And J.D. and Emily being here, driving from so far away? Well, I, how many of us get up on Sunday morning and say, well, i got an hour and a half drive and I'm glad to do it. I mean, I've got the shortest drive of anybody. I don't even have to drive. I can walk. But I could begrudge that walk. If my heart were in such a condition, I could begrudge that walk more than Janie and Emily could begrudge driving the distance that they have to drive. How we need to examine ourselves. Consider the waters that we're in and the currents in which they run and see the things that God is doing with us, in us, in our lives. You know, we're not without reminders of God's grace as we go through troubling circumstances. If I don't know if it crossed any of your minds, but this sailing under Cyprus, this town, or this island rather, this place of Cyprus, this land, this country of Cyprus, that was a place that Paul had been before that we've already talked about back in Acts chapter 13. It was a place where, I can't remember their names, but there were cities there in, you might recognize this more, um, in Acts 3, 4, 13, 4 rather, there's a, a city called Salamis and Paphos where, if you remember, Paul withstood or was withstood by Elymas the sorcerer and where Sergius Paulus, the deputy of that country, believed. And sailing under that land, doubtless Paul 
was probably reminded of God's grace and, and using him there in that place for the salvation of at least that man's soul and likely many others either while Paul was there through his direct influence or maybe through the influence of, of Sergius Paulus himself after he had been converted we're always sailing under Cyprus all of us are as we go through we can see God's hand in things God shows things to us sailing under the protection of the knowledge of God's providence and directing all things sustaining us providing for us manifesting himself to us reminding us that he is with us that he's faithful as we've already said that he's for us and being for us who can be against us and that he will continue to work all things according to our good or together for our good as we've already said according to his purpose no matter what befalls us Paul may very well have been reminded of that here as he was sailing under Cyprus under that land where the Lord had already taken him under that place that the Lord had already used him as he was on a journey to a place that he had not yet been to a people that he had not yet preached unto and that he sought with all of his heart for these things that were happening unto him now to be unto the furtherance of the gospel whether on board the ship or in Italy and Rome wherever it may be that the Lord did take him and again, may the Lord permit that we walk in the knowledge of that light as we face the things that we face, as these storms come up, as they brew, as they're on the horizon and we see them coming. That as we face them, as we begin to feel the first breezes, you remember the hurricane came through, there was some wind that got here before the full force of that hurricane did. As we see that on the horizon and we see the clouds forming as we see it coming that we can say Lord you sent this I don't know what's going to happen but I know that you'll cause all things to work together for good I know that you're faithful I know that you're just I know that what you do is right I'm going to wait upon you and I'm going to stand here in the face of this thing with that knowledge that you are with me and that you are for me and that your excellent power is upon all of these circumstances and with me. And at the same time that I see the full force of this trial and tribulation blowing against me, at any moment you could stand forth and say, Peace, be still. And that in the face of it, that's what I want my heart and mind to be like. Even with the wind blowing, even with, with the trouble swirling around me, I want within myself. I want that peace. I want that stillness. I want to be able to be still and know that you are God. Be still and know that you are in these circumstances. Be still and know that you are over all of these things. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to sail under Cyprus through all the things that I face remembering that as I sail over the sea of this life. You see there in verse number 5 it says, They sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia and Myra and the city of Lycia before they came to that place where they found the other ship. I need to sail in the knowledge of this as I face these things. Remembering it's not about the ship. It's not about the cargo. But it's about the soul. It's about my soul. It's about the souls who are on board this ship with me. Two hundred and seventy-six of them 
that God is conducting this voyage and that I need to commit myself to His keeping and those that are with me to His keeping because He is faithful and He will deliver us unto our desired haven. Verse 7 says, When they had sailed slowly for many days, scarce were come over against Snodus, the wind not suffering us, they sailed under Crete over against Salmon. And hardly passing it, they came into a place which is called the Fair Havens. We need to remember this when we are carried where we do not want to go. You remember Paul was told that before he ever came to the place that he had been in prison for two years. Remember that prophet came up to him, was it Agabus, and bound his hands and said there's coming a time with his own belt. He said there's coming a time when you'll be led where you don't want to go. Even when I'm led where I don't want to go, he's with me. He's in it. He's over it. He's above it. He's working through it. I need to remember it. Remember this when I'm carried where I do not want to go. As Paul did, I'm sure, as he was sailing, and when the sailing was slow, when the winds were contrary, when the wind even further on in the passage stopped them from going even any further. You know, when the wind's blowing against us and we're sailing slow and we're required to wait, Pray, Lord, is this the direction that I need to be going? Sure don't seem to be making much headway here. It's hard to do. It's a hard thing to do, to wait. But let us, as we wait, as I waited for an answer about going to Groveton to work, as I wait on an answer about who I'm supposed to marry, as I wait upon an answer for the test results from the doctor, as I wait upon, you know, whatever it is, that I'm waiting upon. Money to pay the bills. Food upon the table. Whatever I'm waiting upon. As I wait, let me wait upon the Lord. Let it be waiting upon Him. Let it be waiting with Him in view. Let it be waiting with the knowledge that He is over. He is above. He is directing. He will provide. Let me be waiting with that knowledge. I can remember when Teresa was sick, seeing her lay there in the hospital bed and cry. And telling her this sort of thing. Let us not just cry. Let us not just weep. But if we're going to weep, let us weep unto the Lord. Let us wait upon Him. And, uh, what, 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 does it, what does it do for me just to weep? I, I know I may be letting out built-up emotion. It's finding an outlet but let it find an outlet before the Lord. Let it be before Him. Let me be casting myself upon Him as a faithful creator. Let me be committing myself unto Him and the circumstances unto Him. Paul must have been doing this. and We must do the same. Turn with me to the 27th Psalm. Psalm 27. That is page number 438. If you are using the Pew Bible, I, I'm going to take the time. I, want, I was going to say I want to take the time to read the entire psalm. I'm, it's only 14 verses. I'm going to take the time to read the entire psalm. It's important, I think, that we read all these verses here. Psalm 27, beginning in verse number 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
I mean, can we not see right there what we've been talking about? Who, who do I need to be afraid of? David before Goliath? Who, do I need to be, who should I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. That strength will last as long as my physical life needs to, and the strength will be there for me in death. Resurrection. Ascension even unto the presence of my Lord. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 2 says, When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me, or came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. I mean, this man is living in the reality of the things that we're talking about. I mean, if a host encamped against you, people using the phrase that he uses here, wanting to eat up my flesh, wanting to devour me, devour my life, in other words, kill me, slay me, be rid of me from the face of the earth, a host, how many is a host? More than one. Encamped against me, that takes quite a few to encircle me. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. What? The Lord's the strength of my life. Why should I be afraid? The Lord's for me, He's with me. Whom should I fear? Verse 4 says, One thing have I desired. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. It's not the ship, not the cargo. But he says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, not just to make it to heaven. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. We've been talking about that rock on Wednesday nights that the Jew stumbled over, which is Christ and the rock upon which we are founded, the same, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our foundation, He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in His tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I can rejoice in the presence of Him. Even in the midst of mine enemies I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. He's waiting. But he's waiting upon the Lord. Verse 8 says, When thou saidst, when God said unto him, Seek ye my face, immediately there answered from the heart of the psalmist, Thy face. My heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Verse 9 says, Hide not thy face far from me. How can we experience that? How can we feel that way when we're not walking in the light and reality of those things that we've been talking about? That God's here. God is, the Lord is my strength. That He's above all these things. Let, let me be able to walk in that. Live in that. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me. O God of my salvation. Has He not told us, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. When my father and my mother forsake me? I mean, people nearest and dearest unto us, when they forsake us, then the Lord will take me up. 
The Lord hasn't forsaken me. Let everybody else forsake me. The Lord hasn't. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted. I'd been so anxious and so afraid, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I believe the things we've been talking about. Wait on the Lord, he says. Here he's talking to us. He's telling us about what happened to him. Telling us about his experience. Now he's telling you and me this. Wait upon the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say. This is important. He's, he's telling us twice. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We need to wait upon Him in the midst of cross providences. I would say we need to wait upon Him even in favorable providences. We need to be in a continual state of watching and waiting upon the Lord. What will you do here? What will you do there? What should I do? Give me wisdom. Help me to know. Do we stay in fair havens? Here, this place of fair havens had been provided for them. In verse number 8. But we're told that it wasn't commodious. I wrestled with that a little bit. Not a commodious haven in verse number 12 for them to winter in. But I read um, an account in an old history book in regards to this place. And uh, the man says, as regards wintering, the place was not commodious, but as regards shelter from some winds, including northwest, which is where the hurricane came from, it was a good place to anchor what am I saying these things that I've been telling you this wisdom that we gain from what we've seen here regarding the providential hand of God and the knowledge of that and how that we need to walk in the light of that that's a good place to drop your anchor you and I need to drop our anchor there and we need to keep that anchor there I'm not saying necessarily when you stay in fair havens. But I'm saying that the place where the Lord has us, wherever it is, the knowledge that He's with us, that's a good place to drop an anchor. You don't need to weigh anchor there, which means take the anchor up. That's the place where you need to drop the anchor. It needs to stay. It needs to lodge. A good anchorage, he said. This fair havens was not the harbor that they were bound for. It was a fair haven, in other words, it seems, because it was a good anchorage, but it was not their haven. We don't always need our haven, but we need His. We need God's fair havens wherever we find them. We need to remain there. It's a good place to find shelter from the storm in Him. thought about this passage um, 
since we're talking about this voyage, talking about storms, talking about sailing, in Psalm 107, verses 23 through 31, they that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. You know what? I know we see here an illustration of those who... Now these, we're not talking about the people that, that, are, that are in a ship and they're riding along the coast. Now, when he says great waters, he's talking about out in the open ocean. Out in a place where you can't see any land anymore. In great waters, they that go into, down into the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. We see the same you and I we are in great waters for he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof they mount up to the heaven they go down again to the depths and here he describes the soul of the sailor their soul is melted because of trouble even the most experienced even the saltiest as it were of those sailors when the waves mount up to the heavens and they go down again into the depths of the sea even those men their soul melts within them and physically speaking if all of us were on a boat and we saw that you know we might be shaking in our shoes but again setting that before you because of this, where's our anchor? Where's our anchor? They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits' end. At their wits' end. An old saying, huh? Come all the way from the Psalms. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And He bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So He bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. The fair havens of God's grace and our understanding of that grace that's watching over us, that's keeping us, that's supplying our needs, strengthening us. Drop anchor there. Drop anchor there in your mind so that you can be at peace. And more than that, that you might be able to praise the Lord even in trouble for His goodness. We need wisdom to know whether we should winter here or whether we should venture on out into the open waters what does James say if any of you lack wisdom let him ask how does the Lord give he gives bountifully gives bountifully and when I looked at that word wisdom there you know that word means worldly worldly wisdom and spiritual wisdom we, we have need of both God's not just giving us spiritual wisdom. Worldly wisdom as well. Wisdom that we need to sail the ship. Wisdom that we need to know, hey, stay here, move on, 
Where do I go? What do I do? They spent some time there in the fair havens and Paul admonished them. Luke's giving us information regarding common knowledge that the sailing season was now past. Paul says, I feel like there's going to be loss, not only the lading and ship, but also our damage. Perhaps loss even to our very lives. You've got wisdom that God's given you already. You've got understanding that God's given you that you and I are called to impart unto those in this world. They're not always going, as we said last week, to listen unto us. One man said, there are times when the Christian's the only one who will speak what everybody else already knows. And the whole ship full of people knew this time for sailing's past. Another man said, let it not be said that the servants of God can render no service in temporal affairs. He says, not our principal aim, but he says, godliness. And we are those who seek to live godly in this present world. Godliness is profitable unto all things. God used Joseph as his instrument in preserving all of Egypt and Canaan. During the famine. By his wise counsel. But. With Paul, it seems that the advice of the servant of the Lord was rejected. Paul had some experience upon the sea. It wasn't his first voyage. He expressed the result of his own judgment upon the matter of continuing. Certainly it seems natural that the centurion would choose to believe the master of the ship more than Paul. Though Paul had some favor in his sight, it doesn't seem beyond reason that he would believe the shipmaster. It doesn't seem the centurion who was in control of the voyage had learned to appreciate his prisoner as he later would do. People, we may have to grow on them. They may, they may have to see, you know that thing that he told me about? I should have listened. I can see now what he was saying. Before they might um, actually heed any counsel or advice that may be given unto them. But Paul, as I said, had some experience. I told you I was going to read this passage to you in 2 Corinthians 11, 25-27. Paul says, Three times was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. And journeyings often in perils of waters and perils of robbers and perils of my own countrymen. And perils by the heathen and perils in the city and perils in the wilderness. And perils in the sea. And perils among false brethren in weariness and painfulness and watchings often waiting upon the Lord and hunger, and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness. And yet he says, all of these things have turned out for the furtherance of the gospel 
Why? Because the providential hand of God is upon us over and above the 276 souls that are on board as we continue on this journey in this voyage upon this ship that's not going to make it cargo that's going to be cast overboard eventually even everything that has to do even with the steering of the ship is just let go of and they just let the wind drive the ship wherever it would go wherever the wind would send it have you come to that place I mean I I don't want to put my hand on the wheel honestly I don't I want the favorable winds of God's providence to blow me in whichever direction that He would have me to go. And I want my spirit and my soul to be sensitive enough to hear when He whispers. You know, my voice when my kids starts out, you guys need to calm down. And then it escalates from there. I want to hear when there's just a soft, breeze blowing when God's send you know if, if if I don't have my hand on the rudder you know then even the soft breeze is going to blow me in the direction that the wind is blowing I, I want to be sensitive I want my heart to be in such a state before him as I wait upon him as I look at all the things around me that are happening to find him directing guiding leading he's his word is a lamp unto my feet. He's spoken to, him, to me through His word. A light unto my path always. To guide me as we sing. To save me from sin. To show me the heavenly way. The way to that desired haven which He'll bring me into. I don't want my heart to be in such a state like these men. Nah, we don't want to stay here. This isn't where I want to go. I don't want to be up against the cross providences, the contrary winds that blow. Now the devil may blow against me in a sense, may withstand me, but hey, if this is the direction God is sending me, in and of myself, he'd be able to stop me. If this is where God wants me to go, not a chance. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. All these things that have happened unto me, all these things that are happening to me, or to the furtherance even of the gospel itself, the glory of God. Let's stand. It's already upon us next week in Saturday and Sunday. Brother Conrad Merle and Brother Josue Contreras will be with us. So, uh, be in prayer. Once again, I remind you to be in prayer for the meeting. For them as they come, the message that they would bring. What do we need to hear? I need to be bowing before the Lord saying, Lord, impress upon the mind of Brother Conrad Merle. Impress upon the heart of Brother Josue Contreras that very word which you would have me to hear next Sunday. Well, Saturday and Sunday. Start at 5 o'clock on Saturday. Both men will speak. 10 o'clock Sunday morning, both men will speak. 
be in prayer for the meeting. Once again, I remind you to be in prayer for the family of Sheriff Brent Lee, the family of the dispatcher, the police department, her as she recovers. For one another, for me, Mike, JD, as we pray, seek the Lord. What a good word! Um, last few Sundays, uh, I know the Lord's spoke to me. Um, things that Brother Mike and Brother JD have brought. Father, I've heard people complain about the pastor that they have. Look for another one. And I've heard men who say seasoned, salty sailors have been on the boat a long time saying, You need to pray for the pastor you got. Pray for me. <laughs> I want to be, again, a benefit unto you, profitable unto you on this voyage, as I'm sure Paul was unto those that were on board that vessel with him. Any other prayer requests, questions, comments? Okay. Normal. Okay. Any other? If there aren't any other prayer requests, I know there are things on everyone's heart, unspoken requests. We certainly know that the Lord knows those as well. There are those who are likely listening by phone this morning that have prayer requests that they cannot voice. We know the Lord knows those. We pray for them. Father, we we just come and, and bow, Father, in your presence again. Father, we thank you for another day that you've given us. Above all, Lord, we, we thank you for salvation through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the grace that has come unto us, the grace that is ours, the many benefits, the, the greatness of your name and your 
power, of your person, that you've given us understanding of, Father, that we can rest in and hope in and believe upon, wait upon, knowing that you will bring us, Father, as we read unto our desired haven. Father, even when we're carried where we don't want to go, Father, we know that you're with us. Father, we know that you're over and above all things. And Father, how, how much peace and rest that gives unto our very souls being able to stand in the midst of trials and tribulations, Father, with that knowledge and be at rest and be at peace and even be able to rejoice knowing, Father, that you're doing, you're working, that these things aren't for no reason, that they have a purpose and you're working all of them together and they're turning out to the furtherance of the gospel. Father, to be able to rejoice even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of trial and tribulation, looking for and watching and waiting, Father, to see your providential hand in all things. Father, help us to anchor there. Help us to sail under Cyprus and the things that we've already seen you do in the past and anchor in the knowledge of what we know that you are able to do and what we know that you said you would do and that you are doing and not be anxious and fret and not be overcome with fear and not allow our souls to be melted, Father, within us because of the height of the waves or the, or the depth of the sea as we're taken here and taken there, Father. Let us know that it's your hand that guides us and leads us. Let us not be tossed to and fro by every wind and wave. Let us not reel and stagger as we read like a, a drunken man. But let us stand firmly. Let us stand solely upon the rock that is Christ. Let us, Father, see Him before us. And, Father, seek to glorify Him in all that we do. Help us to be conformed into that image, Father. Even where we might be enabled like He to, to be at rest and at peace, Father, with our the circumstances around us, Father. Even as our Lord was I was asleep there in the boat as the boat was even being filled with water to where it was about to sink. Father, knowing, having that much peace, not that we'd slumber and sleep and, and not be attentive and not be watchful and not be waiting. It's not in that sense that we see our Lord asleep, but we see Him there asleep in the sense that we wish to be at peace and at rest with all that is happening and all that is around us and Father all the winds that are blowing and all the storms that are on the horizon all the lightning and the thunder and the waves and the wind and the creaking and the cracking of the ship and Father even it being broken to pieces and having to Father swim ashore as these men will have to do at the end of this chapter Father help us to continue to draw from this that you've put before us in this narrative, Father, this account that you have set before us. Help us to see, help us to understand, help us to apply, Father, and walk in these things we ask in Jesus' name. Father, we also thank you uh, for the food. Return thanks for it that you've prepared and provided for us and ask that you use it to nourish our bodies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.